0: Lord, bless our time in your word. Spirit of God, open our eyes. Open our eyes. Open our eyes, Lord. We don't have a chance without you. Our kids don't have a chance without you. Future Americans don't have a chance. If we don't see your truth right now, I beg you, Lord, open our eyes tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Last week, we talked about having your loins girt about with truth. We said to have my loins girt about with truth means that what holds me together at my core, the center of my strength, is my devotion to truth. And we define that word truth in its broadest sense. Truth being the light, error being darkness right down to I'm not going to tolerate telling lies because that is a departure from the truth. So a devotion to truth. And every day we have to renew our devotion to truth. And there is no better way to renew your devotion to truth every day than to begin your day by filling your mind with God's truth. Tonight, we're going to talk about having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, first question we got to answer is this. What is righteousness? Volumes have been written on that subject, but let me put it in a nutshell for you. One theologian said righteousness means to be conformed to the divine standard of right and justice, to be upright and blameless. Listen to what Webster said. This is Webster's 1828. Righteousness is conformity of heart and, and life to the divine law. Let me make it ultra simple, and these are my words. Righteousness is living up to God's standard of right. (laughs) How am I supposed to do that? Well, the answer is, I can't, and you can't. Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisees? No, I'm sorry, he said to the people except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you can't get into heaven. And what do the people say? Then who can be saved? Because these are guys who count how many steps they take in a given day to make sure they don't exceed some tradition they made up based on the law of Moses. How are we supposed to beat that? And that actually is the right answer. I can't, I can't. So the breastplate of righteousness, living up to God's standard of right, but knowing that I can't on my own. Oliver B. Green said, the only person who can live right and righteously is the person who's been born of the spirit and who is daily led by the spirit and that's putting into different words what i'm about to show you how to live up to god's standard of right how many of you can look at your actions from this past week your words your thoughts and your actions from this past week no raise your hand and 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 say yeah My words, my thoughts, my actions, I did not live up to God's standard of right. I did not. I'll raise my hand. I didn't. So how do we put on this breastplate of righteousness if righteousness is living up to God's standard of right? How do I do that if I know I can't do it? God makes it possible for us in three steps or three parts. It's not. Well, it's three parts. Let's go with three parts. I had both written down, parts slash steps, and I didn't know which one, so let's go with parts. Number one, if you're saved, you've already done. Number one, your position, which is imputed righteousness. And imputed means God gave it to you. He gave it to you when you got saved. So the first step, if you want to wear the breastplate of righteousness, is to become eternally righteous before God by receiving Christ. Listen to where the Bible describes that. 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, Describe Him, of course, Jesus, knew no sin, That we, so Jesus, the righteous, became sin when he hung on the cross. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So in God's sight, you're already righteous. In God's sight, you already measure up to his perfect law. That deserves an amen from all of us, doesn't it? Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God in God's sight. So hey, by the way, keep quit qu- quit beating up on yourself. I'm such a loser. I'm true. So, I'm so wicked. Yes, you are, and yes, I am, and we all know that about each other. But don't tell your heavenly Father, because He sees you as being as righteous as Jesus Christ. That's step one. You've done that. You're, you're ready to roll every day. If you haven't, you don't stand a chance. Let's look at part two daily renew your condition. One of the most important things to understand if you're going to crack this thing of the Christian life is the difference between your position and your condition. And you say, I know you have said that. 372 times. Look, I've got it marked right inside my Bible here. 372 times I've I've heard you say that. I know, but make it 373 because you need to hear it again. That you must learn the difference between your position. I'm righteous. That's my position in Christ. Never going to change. That is never going to change. And your condition which changes from moment to moment (laughs) up and down like crazy. Why? Because you're fickle. I'm fickle. So our position is we are righteous in Christ. Our condition changes constantly because we are human. We are feeble. We are weak. Why is that? Because we have a, we have two natures. We have an old nature which is the old wicked, it's the Adam nature that we were born with. And we have the new nature, which is the Jesus nature that you received when you were born again, about which John said, he that is born of God sinneth not. That's talking about your new nature. It can't sin. Praise the Lord. I've got a nature inside of me that can't sin, but I still have this old nature that is capable of every sin under the sun, and so do you. And so take it easy when somebody else slips up, because you've got the same nature they do. But that nature was crucified with Jesus Christ on the cross. On the, on the, put a T on the cross. On the cross. How shall we, Romans 6 says, that are dead to sin, live any longer therein. Know ye not that so many of us as have been baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. My old nature is crucified with Christ. But you know how easy it is to forget that? And as soon as you forget it, you're right back into fighting the sins of your flesh, of your old nature. Because by your neglect of the new nature, your old nature is revived in you because you took him off the cross. That may not be the most precise way to state it, but it helps you get the picture. You took your old nature off the cross and said, uh, Okay, Romans 6, know ye not that so many of us as, I'm sorry, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So, your old nature died with Jesus. And then you decide to walk in the flesh. You decide to ignore the cross, to ignore your new nature. And what you're doing and what I'm doing when we do that is going and unlocking the old nature. So come on out. Have you, you know, let's have some fun together. And he's calling the shots again. So. I've got to daily renew my condition. I never have to renew my position. That is done from the moment that I trusted Christ for salvation. But I've got to daily renew my condition, and that is called imparted righteousness. Imputed righteousness is where God put in the book of life in heaven Joe Vassic, righteous. He imputed righteousness to me. Instead said of Abraham, he believed God, and it was accounted, same word, imputed. In the books of heaven, Abraham believed God, and God wrote, Abraham, righteous. When you got saved, God in the book of life wrote your name, righteous. But how you're living every day is something different. That's your position. That is your legal position before God. But how you're living every day is something different. That is your condition. And many a Christian is written down as righteous, but not living as righteous. That is imputed righteousness. It is permanent. It is forever. This is imparted righteousness as we go to the cross, line up with the cross again, and let Christ live through us. That is imparted righteousness. Okay? Listen to that described. Uh, Let me, I don't think I finished reading the statement. Put on Christ every day by going to the cross, confirming that you're dead with Christ again today, and letting him live through you. Listen to what Romans 6, 10, 11 says, For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, talking about Jesus, in that Jesus liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Every day, wouldn't hurt to say several times a day. Return to the cross in your mind and your heart and reconfirm, I know my place, my old nature, the one that gets me into all the trouble is dead with Christ on the cross. And I want to live that again today. But the thing is, you don't live it. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. So to have that imparted righteousness, you have to let Christ live through you. And to set that rolling, every single day, you've got to go to the cross and again confirm, I'm dead with Christ. My old nature is dead with Christ. But I want Jesus to live through me. And, and there's no middle ground. If, if you're crucified, if you're living crucified today, Christ is living through you. There's, it's, this is not um, step one, step two, and if you do step one, forget step two, you're, in, you're you know, in limbo somewhere. No. You go to the cross, and with your heart, this is not just reading off a list, this is with your heart. Lord, I'm dead with you today. Again, my old nature's dead with you. I want you to live through me. If Jesus is living through you, you can be nothing but righteous. And so you have then put on righteousness, which Paul describes here as a, a breastplate, but, and that is, when you think of armor, that is the covering for the front of you up to your, up to your neck and down to your waist. But don't think like, because he describes it as a breastplate, that it's something different than just plain old righteousness. No. Uh, If he's actually referencing a verse in the old Testament where it says for a breastplate righteousness. And so it is righteousness that we need. And, Breastplate describes where it covers, and I'll I'll, I'll explain that in a moment. How do you stay there? How do you stay in that place where your old nature is on the cross and your new nature is in control? Jesus is living through you. How, how you How do you keep that going throughout the day? And that's the third step or the third part. Keep yourself in righteousness by living obediently. Romans chapter 6. We were there a minute ago, but um, I meant to write it down and I didn't. Let's turn there. Romans chapter 6. There it is. Same on the preacher. He went to the pulpit without his Bible. Romans chapter 6. And I want you to see this. There's a reason I didn't just quote it to you. I want you to see this with your own eyes. And I want to see with my own eyes, so I'm going to have to put my spectacles on. Romans chapter 6, verse 13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness, members of your body. Don't yield, let's say hands, just so you get it. Neither yield ye your hands as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves unto God, as those that are alive from the dead, and your members, your hands, as instruments of righteousness unto God. So, uh, I'm showing you the relation between two words here. Yield your hands as instruments of righteousness to God. How do I do that? Look at verse 16. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey... His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So just like sin brings death, obedience brings righteousness. So the first step, if you want to wear righteousness, is you got to get saved. But then you got to go back to the cross every day, every day, and remind yourself, My old nature is dead with Christ on the cross. and Lord live through me today. Okay, but how do you stay there? How do you keep from getting off track? How do you keep from reviving that old man being in charge again? And the answer to that is, right, uh, obedience. Obedience. And obedience is more than just be a good boy, be a good girl, you know, do good. Obedience is specific. It means doing what you're told. Obedience means doing what the Lord tells you to do in His Word. Doing what the Lord tells you to do through His Spirit in your heart. It ought to scare us to be disobedient to the Lord. It ought to scare us to take that risk of quenching the Holy Spirit. Of getting out of fellowship with God and of putting that old nature back in control. No, we've got to wear that breastplate of righteousness by being saved, by going back to the cross every day and letting Christ live through us because that's the only way that righteousness is imparted to us if Christ is living through us, and then by throughout the day living obediently. You say, "Man, this is a this is a lot to remember. I got to go through this whole ordeal every day." Once you really begin to understand it, it's just another part of your daily preparation that you can before the Lord with your whole heart deal with in a matter of seconds. So, why is it called the breastplate? Well, it covers your vital organs chiefly your heart, which you may have figured out already. So let's talk about your heart in closing. We'll probably just be a few more minutes here. What happens if you take a spiritual blow to the heart? I'm going to give you three things that happen. Number one, you begin the downward spiral of sin and death. If you are not wearing righteousness and you take a blow to the heart, listen, listen to the steps. James 1, 14 and 15. Every man is tempted when he is first step, drawn away. Drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. We ought to be as scared of being drawn away as we are of death. And death doesn't mean the end of your life. It means the end of something. Maybe the end of a part of your good character. Maybe the end of your reputation. Maybe the end of a a, a relationship. Maybe the end of an opportunity. Maybe a weakening of your potential before God. Death can mean all kinds of things. But death is is the end of sin. But the beginning of sin is when we are drawn away. We are not primarily drawn away mentally. We are primarily drawn away emotionally. Your mind is your place of logic, the facts. And a good Christian would never consent to the facts, of, of, to, would never consent to disagreeing with the facts of his faith. But where and I try not to use that phrase, good Christian. I just slipped. But, because it, because it's not in the Bible, and we abuse it. But, but let's say mature Christian, which also is in the Bible. But we don't abuse that one. But even a mature Christian can have something draw his heart away from the Lord. And I don't want to fall in that trap. And I'm perfectly capable, and so are you. When the old... Voices in our minds and our hearts start calling. You say, oh, I miss that. I miss that. You got you to gotta wear the breastplate of righteousness or you'll begin the downward spiral of sin and death. Another thing that happens to you is everything in your life begins to get corrupted when your heart is not covered with righteousness. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. When your heart is, begins to get attacked because you are not wearing the righteousness of Christ. You didn't suit up today with the righteousness of Christ. Or you suited up, but somewhere along the line, you said, it's getting too heavy. I'm going to take this off and have some fun. Your heart gets attacked. It gets lured. It gets drawn away, and it affects everything in your life. Keep that heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. When your heart goes haywire, every area of your life gets affected. Maybe infected is a better word. Third thing, if you don't, and I bet, I bet I could have given you 20, but I also bet you're glad that I'm not. I'm giving you three. Third thing that happens when you don't protect that heart area with righteousness, you open the door for Satan to work. Somebody called with a very good question the other day and said, "Uh, Pastor, what role can Satan have in the life of a Christian? And follow-up question, how does does that happen? And here's your answer. Acts chapter 5, I'm not going to tell you the whole story. You know the story. The church was thriving. Things were great. People had such a heart for the Lord and for his work that they were selling their property. And... Bringing the whole amount to the church. No, there was no rule that they had to do that. Nobody was telling them they had to. They just were bringing it. Well, this couple had a piece of property, and they decided they were going to um, they were going to enjoy some of the profits and still get the glory. Now, nobody told them they had to do this. They could have sold that property for ten thousand dollars, brought five thousand for the church, and said, "Here, here's part of what we got for selling the property." and kept the other 5,000, done whatever with it, everything would have been fine. But they decided they wanted to be like all these other people and be heroes and say, no, this is all of it. This is all of it. And so they come, and the husband comes first and uh, brings this amount and says, this is all of it. This is what Peter says. This is all of it. Yeah, this is all of it. And Peter says, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? You didn't have to sell it. After it was sold, was it not on thine own power? You didn't have to give all the money. But you said that you did. Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So twice, Peter says, this is a heart problem. You know, later on, his wife comes, and she doesn't know that her... uh, I mean, God struck the man dead. They carried him out. She comes later. She confirms her husband's story. She drops dead. They carry her out. But isn't that an interesting question that Peter asked? Why has Satan filled thine heart? Peter wasn't asking Ananias to give an account of what Satan did. Like, yeah, you know, I wonder what Satan was thinking, Ananias. No, he was asking Ananias, why'd you leave your heart open for Satan to fill your heart? When you leave your heart not, when you don't make the effort to put on righteousness, as I have described to you tonight, when you don't make that effort, you leave your heart vulnerable. And sin comes calling, temptation comes calling, the world comes calling, and it calls you back. It calls you, draws you away from Christ. It, it begins to affect every part of your life, and you leave your heart open for Satan to work through you to attack the church. Satan attacked the church through this couple because they left their heart unprotected. You open the door for Satan to work. We've got to be strong in the Lord to to start that over, stutter free. We've got to be strong in the Lord to endure whatever lies ahead. It's not enough to stand for the Lord. We've got to put on his armor. First, we must gird our loins with truth. That, That which holds me together at my core, the center of my strength, is my devotion to truth. And second, We must go to the cross every day, every day, and confirm again that we are dead with him so that he will live through us. And then throughout the day, stay in that place by obedience to God. I hope you take this seriously. I hope you put this to work. I hope you begin to investigate this and examine this. Because this will keep you armed and help you to stand safely.